Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm Ruth Haley Barton, and here again we find ourselves starting a new year in our church calendar with the season of Advent. This year, the theme of our Advent reflections is Come, Lord Jesus, Come, walking through the Advent season together. And so we want to do just that with you, our podcast listeners. Each week during this Advent season, a few members of our staff here at the Transforming Center will gather and we'll read the scriptures for that week from the Revised Common Lectionary for Cycle C. I'll share some thoughts about what these scriptures are stirring up in me right now, and then we'll have an open and honest conversation around those themes. We'll conclude each episode with the reading of a poem that will carry us even more deeply into the theme for that week and provide needed support. These episodes will release on Monday each week so we can all read into the next Sunday scriptures together. And now, please enjoy this week's conversation. Friends, welcome to the first week of Advent in this season entitled, Come, Lord Jesus, Come. And we are in the first, reading into the first Sunday of Advent, and we want to begin today by just reading the scriptures. You know, for those of you who aren't familiar with the lectionary, following the seasons of the church year means that we're moving through cycles A, B, and C of the lectionary, and this year we're in cycle C. Cycle C begins a new year for us on the first Sunday of Advent, and so we're going to begin with the four scriptures. There will typically be an Old Testament reading, a psalm, a gospel, and an epistle. And so we'll read those. And I'm here with my staff, members of our staff here in the Transforming Center. We're in our little chapel space. And we're going to read the four scriptures in four different voices. And then I'll pull out a little bit of of the theme or the reflection that's on my heart for this season. Then we'll open it up for a little bit of questions or conversation among us here as a staff. And then we'll close with a poem that will help us to sink and to settle into this theme give us some spiritual guidance for being in this week of Advent, and then close with music that will give us additional space for being with God with what is in our own lives. Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Psalm 25, 1-10 To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me ever be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O God. 
Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. 1 Thessalonians 3, 9-13 How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Luke 21, 25-36 There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all the things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you will have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord for the first Sunday of Advent. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Well, friends, one of the things that I've been most stirred by in the scriptures for this particular week is Psalm 25. And I think I'm going to take this phrase into the whole of Advent for myself. And that is to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And especially with Psalm 25 juxtaposed with Luke 21, where Luke 21 is describing so many horrible things happening in the world, which feels very much like our world right now, that what's happening in our world right now is so distressing and devastating and disillusioning, and we've been waiting in so many different ways. And so to hear the reading from Luke 21 where there's just this litany of different difficult things that are happening in the world, and then to be encouraged by Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. So my own thinking and my own reflecting this season has to do with how do we lift our souls to God when things look so bleak and dark and difficult? How do I keep lifting my soul? Because you, keep, you, you can get to the point, I can get to the point where I think it just doesn't do any good anymore to lift my soul to God. It doesn't do any good anymore to sit with God with things that are so hard and difficult and frustrating and even angry, anger producing. Like I feel a lot of anger right now at what's going on in our world, especially 
right now as it has to do with processing still the insurrection and the January 6th commission and all that's coming out. I, I, I think it's important for us as Americans to know what's going on in this arena of our national existence. And at the same time, it makes me so angry that I wonder if I shouldn't be listening. Um, and then I don't even know how to, to lift up my soul to God in the midst of that when I'm so angry. So I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but that's certainly the mix of what I'm feeling. And so I have felt very, very called to this phrase, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And the question of what does it look like to lift your soul to God in the midst of so many difficult realities and the fact that they seem right now to be coming in waves, like we don't ever get through one before there's another one coming in another wave. And it's like the human soul is not even capable of taking it all in or processing it fully or dealing with the trauma that we feel about what we're witnessing. And yet the clear invitation, the call of this first week of Advent is to lift up our souls to God. And so I've been thinking, you know, what are the practices, what are the ways that we can do that concretely in Advent? And although people have heard me talk about solitude and silence for many, many years and have read my writings on it, I have an awareness again that that is probably the best practice for us to at least start with, is to create a little bit more time and space with a little bit more intentionality around lifting up our souls to God. And in, in other words, lifting up our longings to God. What does it mean to lift up our souls to God? Well, I think it means lifting up our longings and being really brave and listening to our longings and lifting those to God versus just holding them inside. I think many of us feel our longings, but if you were to ask, well, have you sat with God with that? You know, Many people would probably say, no, I haven't really sat with God with that. Or when we feel anger or distress or disturbance around what's going on in our world, well, have you sat with God with that? What happens when you sit with God with that? And someone might say, well, you know what? The truth is I haven't sat with God with that. I haven't sat with God with that particular place of distress in my heart and in my life. So I think one of the ways we lift up our souls to God is to lift up our longings, to lift up the real emotions that we're feeling, but to do it intentionally in God's presence versus just being with it on our own human levels and trying to work with it on our own human levels. I think to raise our questions to God, to let our real questions that emerge out of what we're witnessing, to let those come and to sit with those questions with God is is a very concrete way of lifting up our souls to God, to be with our grief, to be with our gratitude, to be present to what's happening on the human level. I think it can also be very tempting right now to get so overwhelmed that literally some of us just want to put our heads in the sand and just pretend it's not happening. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to think about that. I'm not going to watch the news. I'm not going to read the newspaper. Um, it's too hard when I hear conflicting opinions about things. I can't find my way through it, so I'm just not going to engage, and I'm going to put my head in the sand. Well, I'm telling you, that is not what Luke 21 says. Luke 21 says that when all these things are happening, you're supposed to lift up your head. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to get involved. You're supposed to ask the questions. You're supposed to pay attention. You're supposed to assume somehow that this might be the precursor to Jesus himself coming. And so... I also feel like we need to set aside our denial and our desire to put our heads in the sand and to have some relief from all of our hard thoughts and from all these hard experiences and literally lift up our heads and pay attention 
to where Jesus might be coming into these very difficult places of our hearts and lives. So for me, beginning Advent season this year, I'm, I'm feeling very called to continue to explore what does it look like for me to lift my soul to God, but juxtaposed with Luke 21, to lift my soul to God in the midst of all these hard things and to see those two things as being very connected, that we're lifting up our souls to God in the midst of some of the most difficult experiences that we're having, both personally and communally and in our families and in our world with COVID, in our, the political scene, climate change, all of it, that um, the, the racial unrest that's still very much a part of what we're going through in this season, that, that the Advent passengers are saying, don't put your head in the ground. Lift up your head. Be alert and see how Jesus might come and keep lifting up your own soul to Jesus versus just keeping it inside and allowing it to just fester there. So, you know, we're sitting here together as a staff, and I wonder how you all respond to that when I, when I kind of give the call from Psalm 25 to lift up our souls, but to do it in an alert way in the midst of what's happening culturally versus separating ourselves from what's happening culturally and what's happening in our world. Well, hilariously, I was listening to you, and at first I was like, oh, this just means that I can lift myself out and above all of this murkiness that is causing so much despair, and I can just be with God up and above it, and then almost immediately you were like, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) So yeah, my first thought was that it really felt like a reprieve, like lifting my soul to God was a reprieve from the heaviness of the world. And then very quickly in Luke, you realize like, no, you also need to be present to what is going on in the world. And so I think now I'm just sort of left with the, with the question of what does that look like? What does that balance look like? Or what does that mean? And I don't know the answer to it, but I was just really on a roller coaster with you there that whole time. That's right. (laughs) You thought I was going to take us out of the world versus depositing us more firmly in the world. (laughs) You know, what's what's interesting is that the lectionary, especially even the lectionary that we're currently in over the past couple of weeks, the Psalms have been all about God's goodness. And as I have read those and you know, in the light of all the waiting and all the trouble that we face in our daily lives. They have been a bomb just to think, but just to trust that those things are true. And that has helped me to continue facing forward is that I just have sat with those and just, they've just been a bomb of God's, it is true, it is true. That's how I can keep going forward. Um, is because these things are true, even though I can't see that in in so many so many instances in my life, uh, in work and and such. So, and I think you mean balm, B A L M, not bomb, B O M B. And I thought in this current milieu, maybe we should clarify. Wow, that's, that's good. Yes, no, as in the healing, <laughs> as in the healing balm. Yes, that our souls absolutely need. Yes. I feel like I'm being invited this season to lift up my head as the way that I'm going to lift up my soul and not because it's buried in the sand, but because it's just so heavy. My heart is so heavy. I feel like my posture 
is heavy that so much of what we have been facing into and experiencing in the world now for a while uh, just has my head hanging. And so when I think about what would it look like for me to lift up my soul to God this season, I think about a practice that I, I think, Ruth, you might do every Advent season. I know that you've spoken about it, particularly on some seasons where you wake up early to actually watch the light come. And that has been coming to me pretty strongly as I think about what my practices will be this Advent. And I think that to wake up and watch the light come will be the very first way that on a day I am choosing to look for the light coming into the darkness and that it will hopefully set me up to be looking for the light coming throughout the day in the places that I'm experiencing to be so dark or discouraging or hopeless or overwhelming and to have a physical practice associated with what my intention would be and what I'm seeking from God and how I'm hoping that he's going to come to me in this season I'm I'm prayerful that that will then set it up so that those become more of what I'm looking to see and find throughout the day and the weeks and the mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Yeah. I've also thought about the dynamic of light within our own dark places too. You know, so when I feel my my own anger, for instance, like I, I am really angry about some of the things that are going on. I mean, and especially as it has has to do with leadership issues and the the leadership of our country right now and how hard it is to even get the truth about things that have happened in our shared experience. But then to ask God to be with me in my anger, you know, to be honest about my anger. And I think I have kept Sometimes I think I keep my anger outside of my relationship with God versus saying, okay, as, as I sit there in the morning as the light's coming, what about the light coming into my own dark places? You know, God, what is this anger? What am I supposed to do with this anger? I don't know what to do with all that I feel. And to invite the light of God into my own dark places first, that it has to start with the willingness to have God's light penetrate deep inside our own selves before we can even see. I, and I think we don't know what to do with anger. I think we haven't been taught to n- know what is the place for it. And especially as Christians, I think what some of what we're seeing coming out is our inability to deal with some of these more difficult emotions. And, and I think that's why we even try to keep it separate. Right, right. So we feel our anger over here while we're watching the news, and then we come into our quiet, and we don't bring that with us to say, God, would you shine a light on this, you know? And then the way that David, you know, prayed in this in Psalm 139, where he actually says, I don't know what's righteous indignation, and I don't know what's destructive anger. The only way for me to know that is if you search me and know me and work with me in this place. So I think I feel challenged by that idea, too, that, you know, allowing the light of God to come into some of the places that feel kind of dark inside me right now. So I think I know how you would answer this, but I don't know if listeners would, but how do you define darkness? Mm-hmm. I think that that's a great question. That is a really great, great question because I'm not necessarily talking about sin. Right. I'm not, I'm talking, I think about places of confusion yeah. for, for, you know, some place in myself where I feel confused 
or someplace in myself where I, f- I have a question that doesn't seem to have an answer, the, the weightiness, a place in yourself that feels weighty and unmanageable, where I don't know what to do with myself. I'm thinking more along those lines. Yeah, that's what I wanted to point out, because that yeah. would be my natural inclination is to think, oh, it's 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 the sinful, but it's mm-hmm. not always. It's, yeah. it's in those places where you don't know what to do with it, which yeah. I think is a very expanding idea of what mm-hmm. darkness means and how you yeah. bring things like anger into God's presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's not to shame yourself or how do I stop being angry? Mm-hmm. No. It's what what is it that, what's going on underneath all of that? Right. And, and I think what's striking me this season is that if that is what it means to lift the soul, you know, is to lift those really real realities of our souls up into God's presence versus letting them stay way underneath the surface of our relating with God. And that's why I think the, the practices of solitude and silence in this season, while you would expect me to talk about that, if you know me very well, I also think about the definition of solitude as being with what is in God's presence, that in this season, to be with God with what is, is quite the call given given all that we're facing. So to be with God with what is inside me, to be with God with what is in my family, to be with what is in in the life in our world, that's quite a call right there. And solitude and solitude is the only place is the only place to go with it in in one sense. To be with God with what is, not just with our own human machinations, but to be with God with what is would be to me equivalent to lifting up your soul you know, to God, even the stuff that is confusing. And one other word I didn't use was the word despair. That the dark place could be a place where we feel actual despair. Like this will never change. I can't imagine this ever changing. I, I'm, I'm ready to give up, you know, where some of us have gone into a fatalistic attitude and we, we have lost faith. The places where we've lost faith that God could be at work or that anything good could ever come. That's a dark place too, and it's not sinful, but it is dark <laughs> when we're there. As you're talking, I can physically feel the resistance rising up in me that even while I can really hear and believe that the invitations this season probably are so much about silence and solitude, that there is a huge part of me that just does not want to go there. And I think that you using the word despair, that's the reason for it is that being invited into those places with a feeling like despair just feels really overwhelming. And I'm finding myself wondering, are there other things I can add to my silence and solitude that make it easier to enter into? So I'm thinking, can I walk and be quiet and be alone? Or um, I don't know. Is it okay to do it that way? A good stiff, a good stiff drink could help. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what would be ways that people could support themselves in saying yes to the invitations of the season as it relates to silence and solitude, and not be swept away? Do you have, you know, what are the things that you would say to someone who feels reluctant to enter in, and yet also can deeply feel that it might still be the right invitation for this season or even just like what is the first small step because when you were speaking despair was the word that really was coming to mind but you know when I start to think about actually entering into that it's like well this could really tank Christmas (laughs) deep hole of despair (laughs) Uh, so 
I feel it. So I, I just am wondering what that like first small step that maybe could open the way. Well, I, I want to go back to solitude and silence just for a minute because I find it actually restful to to know that I'm approaching a little space in time where I can be with God with what is without having to fix anything. And I can believe that there will be some value in that. That feels actually quite good to me uh, versus just stewing in my anger. But I, I also think that Psalm 25 has some really good handholds for this, for what you've just asked, because it names a whole lot of actual prayers that we could pray in these moments. Like the second verse, oh my God, in you I trust. Well, could we ask God to help us with trust. God, help me to trust you. Like actual prayers to pray, longings to express to God. I, I, I love verse four, make me to know your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me. That's a deep expressed longing of the psalmist, I think, is to be led and to be led by God in God's ways. And so to even have some ways to pray as we look at these things that are hard to look at, Lord, teach me something I don't know yet. <laughs> you know, show me something I haven't seen yet is a great way to pray, I think, relative to some of these aspects of our lives. Verse 3 is actually bringing tears to my eyes, where it says, Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. And I think that the tears that are coming are because there is uncertainty that I am holding regarding my faith in God, my faith in this larger Christian community that I have been a part of and the way that it has been practiced and professed. And I I think that my distrust or my uncertainty with whether or not I can know that I will not be put to shame is because I haven't really sat with my disappointment or disillusionment with some of the ways in which the Christian faith is being expressed right now, and I'm uncertain about my place in that, and I am wondering if the ways in which I am longing and desiring and intentionally trying to be in God for the world, will that way of doing it be put to shame, or will it stand the test of time? Will, will my faith be there? Um, will God be there? Will this way of living in the world be something that is actually light in the darkness? And so I think that verse is, has a lot in it for me right now. Yeah. Hmm. Takes us, yes, to these deepest places. And, you know, one of the things we haven't really acknowledged is what you're, some of what you're alluding to, and that is the failures that we're all becoming aware of and facing into in the church, which is another place of our deep despair and another place of our deep disillusionment. And I don't think most of us know what to do with that. And and you even wonder, is it worth trying to go on, given what so far the, the journey has led to in the lives of some of the most important Christians that we've been following these days? And not just what's happening now, but also the foundational history of our Western evangelical faith. Like mm -hmm. That's pretty eye-opening as well. So it takes a lot of courage, it strikes me. It takes a lot of courage to hold these things up to the Lord and that it takes us quite out to the edge of our faith, <laughs> yeah. 
which yes if 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 you know and the truth is if if it doesn't take us out to the the edge it's probably not real faith mm-hmm. right so even the willingness to go there out to the edge of faith and to ask the deepest questions having to do with our faith and the way we've not just the faith itself but the way we've been practicing it and the way we've seen it practiced is a pretty brave step and there is that language of deconstruction that's going around but isn't that what we're talking about is the willingness to let some things fall away in order to find something that seems more real and to have faith that there might be something you know the other thing i'm struck by is that it takes us to a place of humility which the psalmist also talks about he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way there's a real humility that it requires to face into these things, right? The sense that I don't have all the answers and I hate not having the answers. I want to have answers and to sit uncomfortably in that place where there are no good answers. Ooh, I hate that. <laughs> that is that is a challenge right there. And, and it humbles me. But who wants to be humbled? Who wants to be humbled at that level? And yet the psalmist is saying that's what it takes for for us to be led by God eventually is this kind of radical humility of coming to the end of, of what we know. And then the psalmist does end by assuring us of God's love, which I really do appreciate. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. To believe in God's love in these moments too, that God's paths, God's intentions towards us are good, God's paths for us are loving. And God is the one initiating this part of the journey. God initiates this season of the church year where we acknowledge the things that are broken and wrong and full of longing. And God initiates that with us. God says that's how we're starting the Christian year is by acknowledging how rough things are, by letting it surface our deepest questions and longings, being present with those longings. Um, That's the way we start. That's the way we start not just the Christian year, but it's the way we start any sort of real spiritual journey, right? is letting the stuff that hasn't worked fall away and waiting in this darkness. And so the themes of dark and light, by the way, are really significant in the Advent journey. So to, it's not just to wait anywhere. In Advent, we actually wait in darkness for the light. And that is challenging and scary sometimes. Because what if the light doesn't come? But that not that the power of waiting for the light in the morning? Is that God says to me every day, hey, I, I do send light every day. You can count on that. That is why I think it's being given to me this year as a practice. Yeah. Do you have the experience, too, that in the mornings when we wait for the light, and this morning, for instance, I was up and th- th- the sky was pink. I mean, it was gorgeous this morning. And I do, in this inexplicable, way feel peace in those moments a very given sort of peace I don't have to work for it it's like in that those early morning moments when the light is coming there's a kind of peace that I feel and hopefulness that that I can't orchestrate for myself or conjure up but that God actually gives in those moments do you ever feel that way when you sit in the light waiting for the light sit in the dark waiting for the light sometimes some mornings I'm just really keeping an ear out wondering which of my children is going to wake up first and there can sometimes be some anxiety in that. But I have also been trying to begin my day almost praying through the day, looking at what is to come and 
as I start to feel some anxieties about either the day getting started or all that there is to do or maybe a specific thing that's already going to be happening that day, I am trying to pray my way through it and coupling that with this Advent practice, starting to really trust and anticipate that God will bring himself into those situations and that I can be anticipating and watchful for how that might be and how I can join with him in what the day will bring. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that we can, all of us who are trying to begin the new Christian year together, trying to enter into Advent together, I hope that we can stay with Psalm 25 for a bit and find the guidance that's in Psalm 25 for how to walk, how to, how to hold our souls in God's presence, how to invite the light of God into the everyday moments of our lives and into the hopeless moments of our lives and the despairing moments of our lives as well as the, the joyful moments as well, and that we won't rush past this week because this week is getting us ready. This week is getting us ready for how we will walk the rest of Advent season. So I pray we don't rush through it, but that we stay with it for a while and stay with this juxtaposition of uh, lifting up our souls in the midst of such a tumultuous time in our lives. And it's, you know, I think probably many, many years feel this way, that it's tumultuous in all sorts of different ways. But this one is a, this one feels a slightly different to me that, that, that just when you think you can't take any more, another bad thing gets piled on, (laughs) you know? And so the way we start Advent this year feels very important to me and that we think about how God might be inviting us to open and to lift up our souls during these days. Thank you. There's so many great invitations that we've talked about in Psalm 25. There's just so many. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah, I think that Psalm shows us how to, a little bit about how to do this. There is so much to unpack in Psalm 25. And because of that, we want to give ourselves a little bit more space. So for our $10 patrons, if you go over to Patreon, we are going to actually read Psalm 25 in Alexio style, which means that we'll be reading it four times. We'll be giving different instructions each time for our reflection, just guiding us into a time of sinking and settling into Psalm 25 and hearing what God says to each of us through this psalm. So if you'd like to participate in that, go on over to Patreon for the $10 a month patrons. You'll be able to experience Lexio Divina with Psalm 25. So um, there is one other phrase. Uh, these combination of scriptures are so perfect for the Transforming Center because, first of all, we're all about the soul, strengthening the soul of your leadership. So we've got the soul stuff going on in Psalm 25, and then we teach all the time solitude and silence about you know being with God with what is. And so that feels right in the midst of the chaos that seems to be our life and our culture right now. But then there's this lovely, lovely little phrase in the first or the second Thessalonians passage, and may he so strengthen your hearts. I love that. I think I find myself praying that for those of us who are here together in this room, may God so strengthen our hearts, but also for those who are listening to this podcast, as we begin the season together, this is our prayer that he might strengthen your hearts and strengthen all of our hearts through the ways that we practice Advent this season. This Advent season, I want to conclude each one of our episodes with a poem. I love poetry, and I know part of the reason for that is just that poetry touches us and expresses things differently than any other way that we use words. It just penetrates through our defenses and our facades, and it it just goes deep in. 
And so the poem I'd like to conclude with today is by Janet Morley from a book called Bread of Tomorrow. And it's a poem that helps us to move in the movements of waiting, uh, how we wait, what we wait for, what we do in the places of our darkness. And the refrain, and it's a refrain throughout the poem, is for the darkness and the light are both alike to you. And I just wanted to point out before we begin that that phrase is taken from Psalm 139. And so as a refrain in this poem, we can know that we are sinking and settling into a deep biblical truth. For the darkness and the light are both alike to you. And I hope that that's a deep encouragement for us as we enter into this waiting season and that we know that God is just as present in the light as in the darkness and there is nothing to fear. God is with us in both. For the darkness of waiting, of not knowing what is to come, of staying ready and quiet and attentive, we praise you, O God. For the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For the darkness of staying silent, for the terror of having nothing to say, for the greater terror of needing to say nothing. We praise you, O God. For the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For the darkness of loving, in which it is safe to surrender, to let go of our self-protection, and to stop holding back our desire. We praise you, O God. For the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For the darkness of choosing when you give us the moment to speak or to act or to change. And we cannot know what we have set in motion, but we still have to take the risk. We praise you, O God. For the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For the darkness of hoping in a world which longs for you, for the wrestling and the laboring of all creation, for wholeness and justice and freedom. We praise you, O God. For the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Amen.